reading this morning is from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, not 10, 38, 42. Luke 11, 1 to 4. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. But we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of God. Thanks be to God. You'll notice I added two lines that probably in your, in your Bible. Those are lines that are in Matthew's version of the prayer that Jesus teaches us. And you'll see little letters behind them that show that some manuscripts of Luke's gospel also include those lines. So those were, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, after leave us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. I remember that last week we we noted as as we entered into this uh, story of Mary and Martha, and Jesus said, Jesus said, one thing is needful, and that that thing that was needful was to sit at Jesus' feet, to listen to, and to obey Jesus' teaching. And remember, we said that. Luke had placed that story of Mary and Martha there very intentionally, that he wanted us to hear about that one thing that was needful for us as followers of Jesus before we were going to hear about 10, 11 chapters of Jesus' teaching. He kind of set us up, as it were. This one thing that's needful is a theme in Luke's gospel, and so later on in this chapter, we're going to hear somebody, Jesus' teaching, about deliverance ministry, and somebody shouts out, Blessed is the woman who gave you birth! And Jesus says, Actually, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Who hear the word of God and obey it. That's who's blessed. So, we've been set up for this teaching. We've got 10, 11 chapters of teaching coming from Jesus we know that what we're about to hear is very important, and we know that it's likely that the first thing is the most important thing. And so Luke has Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to preach! Because <laughs> preaching's so important! Don't do that. Lord, teach us 
to heal. Lord, teach us to deliver. Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Derek, would you put your hand up? Derek's in the back of the sound booth. Derek's mom's name is Mary. And um, Mary's become a good friend of mine. And a few other people here. But I want to tell you about the first times that I met Derek's mom, Mary. It was in a gathering of people. She did some teaching. She did some praying. When I heard Mary pray, this was my reaction. Whoa. This woman knows God. This woman knows the person she's talking to very well, very intimately. She doesn't just know about him. I can tell by listening to her that she knows him. She knows him. And I think that experience that I had of listening to her pray and knowing that she knew who she was talking to is a little bit like the experience that Jesus' disciples had listening to him that led them to pray, Lord, teach us to pray. It's like they're saying, Lord, there's something that you have that we want. It's like they look at Jesus and they see there is some vitality, some vibrance, some life, some joy in you. It's like they look at him and they, they realize that everything that they're seeing in him comes from his place of prayer. Like they recognize in him there's some life. You speak to God like he's your father. You speak to him intimately. And so they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I don't think that that question is, is uh, coming from them because they've never prayed or they don't know how to pray. These are people who've grown up praying. Most of them grew up in the synagogue. They grew up with the scriptures. They grew up hearing the Psalms, the, the prayer book of God's people. These are people well acquainted with praying. They're not saying, Lord, just give us new words or Lord... Uh, we don't know what to say to God. The request is one of, Lord, help us to know him like you know him. There's something in you that we want. And so Jesus responds to that request. He's only too glad to with these words. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he gives these words that have become so well known that they've been spoken across the centuries, across cultures. Anywhere you go in the church, people know these words. This is what, this is what Andrew Murray says about these words. He says, In these words... We have a prayer so simple that a child can lisp it. So simple that a child can lisp it. And so divinely rich that it takes all that God can give.
takes in all that God can do. And so how should we pray this prayer? And what does Jesus mean for us to hear? This is our quest. What does Jesus mean for us to hear, and how would he have us pray? Does he mean that daily we should say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, and our own? That would be a good thing. That would be a good thing. That would be praying the words that he gave us, praying the form of the prayer. But that would not be where he would have us end. He would have us go deep, deep down into each of the words of the prayer. And he would have us go slowly through that prayer. And he would have us be changed by the words of that prayer. And he would have us go so slowly that we spend a long time on the word Father. Just that one word. Because if you skip over that word, if you pray... Father, but don't stop there. Then you pray without confidence. You pray without comfort. You pray without conviction. You pray without clarity about how to pray. In fact, if we go too quickly, if we don't enter more deep, deeply into our Father, our prayer will wander. We won't be sure how to pray. We won't see answers to our prayer. We'll be unsure of just how much God is listening to us. And in fact, we won't even really experience ourselves being drawn to prayer. Except, perhaps, out of religious duty. So maybe the first thing we need to do this morning is just pause and ask ourselves, why do I pray? Am I really drawn into prayer? Do I do it because it's something that's needful and good to do and I ought to do it? Why am I drawn into prayer? Father. Father. Did you know that not one Old Testament saint in 800 pages of Scripture addresses God as Father. God Almighty, Sovereign Lord, Holy One, High and Exalted, not Father. Father. So in this one word, Jesus is inviting us into an entirely new way of knowing and relating, and understanding God. Father. And maybe, maybe that doesn't seem so radical to us, because maybe we've grown up in the church hearing that we're to call God as Father, and praying, Father in Heaven. But I want to tell you something this morning. It's an entirely different thing to say on the one hand, to address God as Father, than it is on the other hand, to be Father. By God. Okay? One is an address. It's speaking a word. Father. It's calling someone by a name. The other one is actively being father. Hebrews chapter 12, the author is talking about the way that God disciplines us out of love, and he says, 
how much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits? The Father of our spirits. Joe, uh, do you know where Mr. Chess Glass is? Can you point him out to me? Yeah. Could you tell me what um, his favorite snack is to eat? No, Vic. What's <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Blassett's favorite snack? What's his favorite color? What? What's his favorite song? He doesn't know. See, he knows the address. He knows to call him Mr. Glass. So you don't know very well. You don't know him. Okay, so the invitation that Jesus is giving here is not just an invitation to say, Father, because his name is Father. It's an invitation to know him as Father and to be fathered by God. That's a very active, involved thing. And we might say to ourselves, well, I know what fathering entails. It can't be that hard to be fathered by God because I know what an earthly father is and, and does and is supposed to do. But you know what? Some of our earthly fathers didn't father us very well. Some of our earthly fathers were actually quite mean. Some of them were really critical. Some of them neglected to give us the encouragement that we needed. Some of them hit us. Some of them left us. Some of them were controlling and overbearing and too strong. You know what? Even the best of our fathers, even those fathers that maybe knew the Lord as they were raising us, are still people who are broken sinners in need of grace. And so the model of fathering that we grew up under, it doesn't do very well to prepare us for being fathered by God. Because we're fathered by people. I'll tell you what. My kids are here, and I'll just tell you the same thing that I've told them. I, on the whole, I believe I'm a very good father. But there are still times where I fought, where I discipline very impatiently. Where I, where, where it's obvious when I'm disciplining that I'm actually angry. And I'm disciplining out of my anger. I'm speaking out of it. Or I'm annoyed. And do you know what happens? Just get off the parenting thing for a second. When somebody speaks to you like they're annoyed with you or they're angry with you, what do you do? Inside, you seize up. You retract. You back away when someone speaks to you that way. Your spirit is meant for love and affirmation. Not anger, controlling, annoyance, frustration. Okay? So here's what happens. We're all fathered by sinners. When they do things to us, when they father us in ways that are sinful or hurtful, we do that, and you combine that with our sinful, our own sinful in, impulse to rebel, we just close down. 
We don't learn to receive correction and discipline in love. We've never done it well. So what I want us to hear this morning is we're, we're not innately ready to be fathered by God. We aren't prepared well for it by our earthly fathering, from the fathering we receive, and from our own sinful impulses. We don't innately know how to be fathered by God. And so this week, somebody said to me in a conversation, they said, you know, I hear some people talk about their daily fellowship with the Lord and reading their Bible with a passion that's even stronger than the desire to spend time with physical friends. And with such a great, loving father, that seems like it should be natural, that it should be easy. But that seems rare for me. Why is it rare? Not just for that person, but for many of us. It's rare. It's rare because we aren't used to being fathered by one who loves the way God does. And so our own hearts aren't prepared. They're not they're not um, they're not conditioned. It's like Paul says in um, Romans 12, he says to the church, you know what, in view of God's mercy, let's offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. And then he says, let your minds be transformed or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be made new. So does your heart, your spirit. It needs to be made ready to be fathered by God. But what if, what if, um, what if we had a father who wasn't distant and disinterested, but instead one who was intimate and involved and who never took his loving eye off of us? Ever. What if we had a father that wasn't passive or cold, but who's warm and affectionate and who never wavers once in the depth of his love for us? What if we had a father who always communicated to us in a way that would build us up and that would strengthen us and that would encourage us? What if we had a father who always had good plans and purposes for our lives and that never stopped working for our good? What if we had a father that had a never-ending supply of compassionate understanding for what we were going through, of rich comfort with which to embrace us, of good gifts and resources to give us? What if we had a father who always, in every interaction, treated us with gentleness and with patience, even as he corrects us? What if we had a father who isn't nitpicking or exacting or perfectionistic, but is committed to our growth and who loves and affirms us as his children? That would be a father that we would desire to be with. That would be a father who we would love to come and share with and talk to and pray to, wouldn't it? And so the call that Jesus gives first when he says, Father, address God as Father, is not just address. It is come to know, know God as Father. Know him 
Don't assume that you know him. Come to know him. Ask yourself, what kind of a father is Father God? When I read scripture, what does it say to me about what kind of a father God is? And say to God, God, father me. Be my father. Do the things that a father would do. Do toward me as I see you doing toward inscription. When we know this kind of father, that all always present to us, unwavering in his love, unending encouragement, strengthening, refining, even in correction, loving tenderly, always patient, always ready and able to help, to guide, to give gifts, to nurture. When we know that kind of a father, that's what changes us. That's what is changing us here. But also, when we know that kind of a father, that's what moves us to pray, Father, Father, hallowed be your name. Now that I know you, Father, I want want everyone to know you. I want them to know you. Because I know you. I want your name to be held holy like it is. See, you can pray that hallowed be your name, but if you don't if you don't feel it on the inside, if you don't know God, then you don't really want his name to be hallowed. But when you know him, you want everybody to know him. You want him to know Jesus. You're like that woman coming away from the, the well saying, hey, come back the man who told me everything about my life. Translation, he knew I had five husbands and I'm married with him, not living with a man I'm married with. He didn't condemn me. He's amazing. I want you to know him. I want you to see how holy and loving he is. See, knowing God translates into, I want you to know, and I, and I, want, and I know that, that the first way to get somebody else to know God is not first to go to tell them, first to go talk to him. Father, let your name be hallowed, let it be held holy by this person. Draw them to know you. Father, let your kingdom come, because when you come and you reign on a heart, in a heart and a life, you bring peace. You push out chaos. And you bring peace. And I want my sister, my brother, my friend to live with your peace. And I want them to know the fullness of of the joy that you can bring. I want them to experience this love. You couldn't stop talking about it when God came on you with this love. Father, bring your kingdom. Bring it into this heart and that life and that home. And Father, change. Change the west side. Bring your kingdom. You see how knowing God moves you to pray that? Now let me hit pause on that and tell you a little story. And then we'll come back to it. There's a small business, a restaurant on the west side. Owned by a gentleman in the 60s. He's got two daughters that work with him. First daughter, the oldest one. She works there kind of begrudgingly. She works there because it's a job. It's dad, gives her a job. But she doesn't like being there a whole lot. She doesn't work there very much. Just works the minimum amount that she needs to. She would rather not be uh, in the business, but knows that it's the right thing for her to do. And she often asks uh, her dad if she can use stuff from the business, from the restaurant, 
to um, go on outings with their friends. So can I use these supplies? Can I take these drinks? Can we have these food? Can I have this food? And, and he um, often says yes, not always. And uh, when she's at the, the shop, she just really just sticks to what she's assigned to do, and she doesn't do a whole lot more than it. She doesn't really have uh, much interaction with her dad, so she actually has no idea why he uh, even loves this restaurant that he's running. Daughter number two, younger daughter, loves the business. And it brings her a ton of joy to work in her dad's shop. But the thing that's uh, most joyful to her isn't actually the work, it's her dad. She loves that she gets to work with her dad. And so she, she follows her dad around a lot, asking him things about the business, asking about his own life and how he got into it and why he loves it. And, and um, she actually gives her heart to the business and she spends time thinking about, how can I make this a better place to be? And so she comes to her dad, hey dad, I've got this idea, uh, we could do this and we could do that, and um, she uh, <laughs> she she loves dad's dad's business, and um, oh, that was the other thing. She's constantly seeing the needs of the business and just going out and buying things and ordering things and taking care of stuff. She loves it. She takes care of it. And so when she goes to her dad and says, hey, dad, um, I need such and such, he, he just says, great, take it. It's yours. Great. Have it. Here. Take this. Have more than you asked for. These, these two daughters are somewhat symbolic of ways in which we can know or not know our Father, care or not so much care about His business, His kingdom. And with daughter number two, when she comes and says, Dad, um, I'm doing such and such, or I have such and such a need, or the business needs, he is only too happy, only too glad to give her what she needs and what she's asking for. Because he knows his daughter. He knows that his daughter is committed to him and to the business. And so he, he trusts her. And so he is committed to giving her whatever she needs and is asking for to help the business thrive. And he's delighted to give back to her. Daughter number one is just kind of using dad. On, I'm working here begrudgingly, but I don't really know you. I don't care to know you. How hard must that be for his heart? And, and dad, I'll just come to you and ask you for things when I have needs. The child of God that is committed, that knows God the Father and is committed to the kingdom of God, 
does not need to worry about whether they're going to have their needs met at all. What happens if we don't know God and aren't praying for His kingdom and working for His kingdom is we skip Father, even if we pray it, we skip your name, your kingdom, your will, and we move right on into my needs. And we start there. And we find that there isn't much strength or persistence to pray anything beyond my needs. And we don't see all of them met. And we aren't so sure about God's presence or promises. We're kind of wandering and maybe discombobulated in prayer. It's hard to pray. It's hard to pray because we're me-centered. But when we're Father-centered, then prayer flows. When we know our Father, when we are centered on His person, His glory, His name, His kingdom, then the other stuff comes. Then He says, ask me for what you need. That's why Jesus says elsewhere, you don't have because you don't ask. Ask me for what you need. Ask in my name. Until now you've not asked. Ask in my name and I'll give it to you. <coughs> ask in my name. Father, kingdom, his name, his glory. Then ask. Well, why do we need to ask if he knows? Because we're children. And children are dependent. And children need to know and live in dependent relationship on parents. God doesn't ever want us to leave that place of dependence. He doesn't want us to leave that, live as independent. He wants to be our parent. Jesus says, unless you become like one of these children, you can't enter the kingdom. Dependent. And he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory when we're dependent, and we're asking, and he's giving. We're asking and receiving. So, he says, and he's going to say to us next week, ask and you'll receive. We can confidently expect provision of all of our needs when Father and Kingdom come first. We can confidently expect Forgiveness of all our sins when Father and Kingdom come first. And we can confidently expect God will protect us, He'll deliver us from evil, and He will lead us away from temptation when Father and Kingdom come first. There's another reason why we need to pray for forgiveness and for protection. One person says, only that which is truly confessed to God is that which is forgiven. Now we know that the cross of Jesus Christ covers over all of our sins. But we also know that sin that remains unconfessed is sin that still holds us in bondage. And so God wants us to confess our sins so that we can be free. And so he says, as a part of knowing him as Father and praying for his kingdom to come, that it should come even even more so in, in our hearts and lives, that we ought daily to be asking, Father, is there anything that stands between my fellowship with you? And is there anything that would, prevents me from loving every other person I know sincerely?
If there's somebody who can't say, I love you sincerely, there's forgiveness work that needs to happen. There's confession. The currency of the kingdom of God is love. And anywhere where there's less than love, there's work to be done. He also uh, wants us to know how, just how much we do need him to bring protection and deliverance. There have been multiple times in the last few years where I have found myself inclined towards something that was sinful, only to see God uh, protect me and deliver me from that thing. And I have just been in awe at his mercy, finding myself praising him, saying, Lord, I could not have seen that. I could not have drawn myself out of that were it not for you. You are the one. You are the one who protected me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna end uh, here. Two very short little things. Next week I'm gonna ask Jay Nawal, who's not here, to tell a story. Or the week after, one of those two weeks. But here, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I'm going to give away his punchline. God gave him a car. He gave him a car. He gave him a five thousand dollar check in the mail anonymously, in answer to prayer for provision. In Jay's life, Father is first. He knows Father. His life is dedicated to God's kingdom. And so he confidently was praying, God, would you provide a car for me? And he was receiving clear guidance from God about provision that was coming. And it was testing his faith greatly. And two weeks ago, the day, two days before God had, had um, assured him that he would have a vehicle in the mail, shows up a check for $5,000. Yeah. Okay, that's a big thing, but it's one of the little things too. God promises provision for all that we need. And so the call this morning, oh yeah, I was going to use PowerPoint, never mind. It's on the PowerPoint, this is what it says. Next slide. Here it is. Here's God's word to us this morning. Know your father. Be about your father's business. Confidently ask for your father's provision. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your will for us is to know you and to know you intimately. We call on you to give us a hunger and a thirst to know you all the more. We pray that you will remove blocks to knowing you. We ask you to heal places in our hearts that are hurting because we've been fathered in ways that were hurtful. And we pray, help us to know you. To know what kind of a father you are. To trust